When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. We believe God actually speaks to us through these words. So let's take a moment of silence to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so we can listen to God's word. The scripture tonight is from Luke, chapters 20 and 21. Not the full chapters, just from those chapters. Jesus told the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, rented it to tenant farmers, and went on a long trip went on a trip for a long time. When it was time, he sent a servant to collect from the tenants his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants sent him away, beaten and empty-handed. The man sent another servant, but they beat him, treated him disgracefully, and sent him away empty-handed as well. He sent a third servant. They wounded the servant and threw him out. The owner of the vineyard said, What should I do? I'll send my son, whom I love dearly, perhaps they will respect him. But when they saw him, they said to each other, this is the heir. Let's kill him so the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, may this never happen. Staring at them, Jesus said, then what is the meaning of this text of scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be crushed, and the stone will crush the person that falls on. The legal experts and chief priests wanted to arrest him right then because they knew he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. The legal experts and chief priests were watching Jesus closely and sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They wanted to trap him in his words, so that they could hand him over to the jurisdiction and authority of the governor. But every day Jesus was teaching in the temple, but he spent each night on the Mount of Olives. All the people rose early in the morning to hear him in the temple area. This is the word of the Lord. Of the word. Uh, my name is Emmanuel, and I'm one of the members here on the teaching team here at uh, NOVA. And it's always a joy uh, to be with you guys whenever I am able. Uh, we are doing a series called Subversive Jesus. Subversive Jesus. This is about Jesus subverting, changing, um, challenging our expectations. Right? He's not just this guy who, who is kind. And he is kind. He's also one who challenges people. He calls us to love our enemies. At the same time, he also flip tables and cause havoc. He goes against our expectations. It's true about Jesus, but also about God himself. Throughout the Old Testament, throughout all of Scripture, God is consistently subverting expectations. We have our plans. We have our goals, our expectations. And God's like, oh, nope, a different way, a different thought. Right. So we're seeing here how Jesus can challenge us. Lent, as we prepare for the coming celebration or remembrance of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Lent, we, we want to see how Christ can challenge us and in the process offer us life, offer us things that we did not expect to receive but can truly find joy in. So that's our series. Before I start, I have a couple questions for us. What are some things in your life 
that you are responsible for. Things that you uh, have, that you oversee. It could be relationships to your family members, to your spouse, to the person you're dating, to your kids, extended family. It could be your job, occupation, your time, money. I can go on and on. What are you responsible for? Second question. What happens if you fail to be responsible over that thing? If you're irresponsible with relationships, with time, with uh, work, with your money, with your hobbies and passions, what's at risk? What happens? One of the terms we use to talk about being responsible for something is uh, you become a steward. A steward. And a steward is someone who's entrusted with something. The thing that you're entrusted with is not yours. It's given to you for a period of time. It's given to you to borrow or to rent or, or to use or, or to invest in. But at some point, the person who owns that thing will say, hey, I gave this to you. I want it back. Did you invest what I gave you well? Did you use it in a correct way, in a wise manner? Or did you squander it? We look at our lives, right? And we think that, hey, we have these 80, 90, or 120 years, and it's ours. But according to Scripture, God gave this to us for a season. And one day he will say, hey, I gave you 30 years. I gave you 55 years. I gave you 65 years. I gave you 95 years. What did you do with what I gave you? Were you a good steward or not? In our text today that Sean just read, Jesus comes up and says, hey, I gave you guys something. You were responsible for something, yet you didn't manage it well. The context is, uh, here's Jesus after about two and a half years, three years of ministry. He's now going back to Jerusalem. This is the center of the world for the Jewish people. This is it, right? This is the place where, where God's space, where, where heaven and our space met. And so he's going there. Along the way, he is making things right. And here's the thing about making things right. When you make things right for some people, other people get frustrated, get upset. Like, case in point, uh, yesterday, uh, my uh, little one, Melo, uh, quiet time, went to sleep, woke up around 3.45, 4 o'clock. Uh, my four-year-old, Ambrose, he got up at 2.30 because he doesn't sleep, and came down and started playing with some planes uh, in the living area. Mela came down, and as a younger sibling, whatever Ambrose does, she wants to do. Ambrose jumps from a tall place, same thing for her, and she gets hurt, okay? So she comes down, Ambrose is playing with some planes, and guess what she wants to do? Play with Ambrose's planes. What does Ambrose say? It's mine. You can't play with it. So we say, Ambrose, you got to what? Share. Make things right for your sister. What did Ambrose think? No. That's not right. 
right? When you make things right for some, other people get upset. And so here's Jesus making things right. Along the way, certain people, the religious, political, social leaders are upset and frustrated at Jesus. And they began to challenge him. One of the challenges is, hey, Jesus, where's your authority? What right do you have to attempt to make things right? So we're told in the first few verses of chapter 20, they attempt to ask him a question to trap him. And Jesus being Jesus, he actually reversed the trap upon them. And in our passage today, verses 9 through 16, he then answers them through a parable, through a story. And the basic story is, as Sean just read, there, there, there's a man who, who's got a vineyard uh, property that's his, and he goes off for, for, for a long time to a land far, far away, or a galaxy far, far away, such Star Wars, and he leaves the, 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 the vineyard in charge uh, by farmers or tenants. And their job is to invest, their job is to take care of what belongs to the owner. At some point, the owner sends a servant to go check it out. Is there wine being produced? Is there animals growing in this place? I don't know what happened. I guess wine, I guess, in vineyards. I don't know, whatever. Okay, it says farm, whatever, okay? Are they investing the property well? The first servant arrives, gets abused. Second servant shows up, also gets abused. The third, same thing happens to him. Now, as, a, as careful readers, we know and as we'll see in verse 19, Jesus is talking about Israel's leaders. They're the farmers, the, the tenants. And they were responsible for God's people to make sure that they're a light for the whole rest of the world. And God sent them what we would call prophets, servants. Some were abused, neglected, rejected, and even killed. And finally, the owner says, I'm going to send my own son. He owns this thing. This will one day be his. Surely they will not harm my own son. The son arrives, and he also is rejected, and eventually he is killed. Jesus says to the crowd, what do you think the owner would do when he comes back to these farmers, these tenants? What will we do to them? We're told the leaders, knowing this is about them, they are upset. Now, I want to remind us, when I read uh, the gospel stories, I want to put myself in the shoes of not the hero, a.k.a. Jesus, but probably the bad person, the bad guy. Because usually that's where I'm at. I had a professor in seminary said, if Christ appeared today, 21st century America, in Denver, Colorado, the people who would yell crucify him, who would challenge him, would be us Christians. Why? Because he would subvert our expectations. He would not do or be about what we want him to be or do. So they're upset at Jesus. As he's ashamed them again and again and again. And here's Jesus' point. He tells them, hey, I'm the son that God has sent. And you guys are rejecting me. And so because of that, you're bad stewards. You're bad stewards. I came to you 
to offer you something, yet you've rejected that and you are bad stewards. So in other words, to reject Jesus will lead you to be a bad steward. To reject Jesus will lead you to be irresponsible with whatever God has given you. And you say, well, okay, why is that? Why is that important? Well, here's why. In verse 17, Jesus tells us that, hey, uh, there's, this, there's a thing called a cornerstone. 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 And a cornerstone is basically the foundation of a building. Without this particular stone, the building will not stand. It's central. Think about maybe your house or your apartment building. There's a, a column or a series of columns that are foundational for the building to be as it is. Okay, uh, better example. Think about a car. Honda Accord, Bugatti, Ferrari, Mercedes. I can go on and on. Tesla, for those who are about the environment. Tesla, without a battery, no matter how great your car is, it will not function. It won't function. Human body. Let's say we created a great human body. Symmetrical, through and through. Healthy, without a heart. Doesn't live. That's who Jesus is. The cornerstone. The foundation. In fact, John will go on and say, hey, uh, this Jesus figure was the logos or the principle that governs all of reality. Paul says to the, 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 the people in Athens, uh, in him, we move, breathe, and have our being. We live because of Jesus. Paul says elsewhere in Colossians, um, all creation was made by him and for him. That's who Jesus is. And so if we reject the foundation of all reality, of our, of our lives, we will be irresponsible with what he has given us. What he's placed before us. It also means, though, that when we receive him, when we accept him, we'll be good stewards. We'll be responsible in the right manner. Because we'll begin to see things as he does. Here's a brief example. Uh, when we, before having our, our, first, our first son, Ambrose, um, my wife and I began talking about uh, certain things, and one of the t- topics was, hey, how do we want to discipline our, our kids? Uh, I grew up in a home, uh, part of the culture, uh, my, my, my parents, uh, I got spanked. I got spanked. Did something wrong? Smack in the face without even thinking. I got spanked. My wife, on the other hand, grew up in a home where her parents should do something wrong, her parents are apologizing that she did something wrong. I'm like, what? What is that? Oh, honey, we're so sorry that you lied to us. I'm like, what? Right, the opposite. So our two extremes, we want to avoid both extremes. And so we begin talking, how do we want to discipline our kid and eventually, hopefully, plural kids? The conversation began, we began talking, and it never came to a conclusion. Ambrose was born. And about a year and a half-ish, uh, we began noticing a certain behavior, uh, especially the daycare that, that was very troubling for, for us and for the daycare provider. He began to hit people. Took his stuff, he hit you. Daycare lady, hit her. 
at home, hit us. Okay, well, this is not right. Amherst, we don't hit, we don't hit, right? But it continued. So we began to essentially flick him on the wrist. And he would cry and be upset, that, that, that whole thing. But what happened was, as we flicked him, he saw that as, oh, if I hit, my parents will hit me, so I should keep hitting. So his hitting continued. And my wife, being as wise and, and godly as she is, she began to pray. And think through, okay, Lord, how can I raise this son appropriately in a way that is fitting for him and honoring to you? And she began to realize slowly that with Ambrose, you can't respond to him by doing what he did to you. So if he's yelling, if you yell, second level for him. Yell second level, third, I mean, it goes on and on. Calm. And eventually, he calms down. Now, with Mela, my daughter, opposite way. She's crazy. She, you got to spank her. She's nuts. Okay, a different story there. But my wife learned, though, hey, how do I steward this child well? I got to ask the Lord. I got to invite Jesus into this to guide me, to see Ambrose appropriately. So what are you responsible for? What has God given you, blessed you with, given to you as a steward? Whatever it is, have you asked the Lord to, to join you, to help you, to enlighten you to see these things, ultimately as his? And to see them as he sees them. Just to reject Jesus will lead us to be poor stewards. But to accept him, to invite him, can allow us to steward things. And in so doing, we begin to see, we begin to be responsible to steward these things appropriately in a way that honors you. So that one day when you ask us, hey, I gave you X amount of years, I gave you these things, what did you do with them? You look at what we've done. Because of your Holy Spirit, you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Lord, we ask you, we invite you, we accept you. May you make us stewards who are good. All this for your glory, for your renown. In Jesus' name.